Welcome to the Docs and Crocs podcast, where we explore the latest happenings in news, culture, and everything in between. Our team of experts and enthusiasts, me being the expert, and I'm the enthusiast, bring you fresh takes on the hottest articles, trends, and pop culture phenomena. From breaking news to the latest viral sensation, we've got you covered. So sit back, relax, and join us as we dive into the world of Docs Docs and and Crocs. Crocs. Let's jump right into it like we're from the future. Like we know what we're doing here. Like we know what we're doing. Like we know what we're doing. Sippy. Yeah, a little sippy sip. Mm. I put the um I put like the whiskey and everything back on the table. Mm. <laughs> I like how the microphone was in your forehead. <laughs> Did you like that? You j- can can you hear his thoughts while he's sipping his coffee? Mm. I kind of want let me get all cozy right here. Ooh, I can bring this stool over. So what do you what do you think? I it's not done in here. Uh-huh. But what how do you feel about it's the move around? It's looking pretty fuego. Yeah. It's looking pretty fire. I like the idea of being able to make all different kinds of content in here without having to move too many things around. Yeah. Like all I have to do is turn a camera and turn a light and then boom boom, boom new video. Looks crisp. We got a guitar, we got Hopper's vehicle and his badge and then we also have a lightsaber. Yeah, it's a Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. Luke Skywalker's lightsaber specifically. Yeah. If you're watching this video uh, on YouTube, YouTube you'll have a more full view. If you're watching on TikTok, you know it's close-ups and all that. But if you're watching it's this on YouTube, memes. yeah, it's real tight. It's real tight. Mm-hmm. If you're watching on YouTube though, you'll have a more wide view. And this wall probably looks pretty boring right now, but it's going to be so exciting. We're going to throw all kinds of shelves on this wall. And uh, and we're going to put things on those shelves. But then if our viewers want to send stuff in, we could get like a P.O. box. Wow. And then if people want to like send us little figurines or little doodads. Ooh, that'd be and fun. And then we'll throw them on the shelf. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. That'd be pretty sick. I figured that'd be pretty cool. Or maybe it could be a Patreon thing. Like if you... I- if you're a Patreon member, you get to put stuff on the shelf. Oh. I feel like that's like really unique. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Everybody does like, oh, if you're a Patreon, you get the episode a day early. But ours is like, no, if you're a Patreon person, you get to you get to add to our background. I have a few. I have a Banjo Kazooie figurine on the shelf. I have a Pikachu figurine on the shelf. Bob Ross figurine on the shelf. Charmander figurine on the shelf. I guess. Um, I have a few others. We just gotta invest in doodads. We gotta, and then like over like things that we've talked about. Like we need to get a little Jenna Ortega bobblehead that uh, we can put on the shelf. A little Wednesday. That's not Jenna Ortega, but like yeah, Wednesday yeah, yeah, Adams yeah, yeah, yeah. bobblehead. Not Jenna put Ortega. On the shelf. Wednesday. No, no, no. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, there's a difference. Bobblehead on the shelf. Yep. Um, we could get a uh, what else? We could get a little, a little zodiac, zodiac, killer. a little zodiac killer bobblehead. That's and we can draw a little. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Oh, wh- oh. Oh. I just remembered. What? The Zodiac Killer commented on our TikTok. <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? So so that video, that that TikTok that we made, they got what? like, you know, yeah. what, 900,000 views or whatever. Five, six. Is that six? I don't know. Seven. Um, Eight on a good day. Nine if we're lucky. Ten if it's hot outside. And 11 when we're rich. And 12 when she's in the mood. Oh, okay. Anyway, so the video kept getting views and yep. comments. It's almost at 100,000 comments. Yep. And the most recent one, it's literally a picture of the Zodiac Killer 
the name of the profile is Zodiac Killer. Oh, nice. And it just said I. The letter I? Yeah. Or like I is in yes. Like the letter I. I. Wow. That's very cryptic On our, and disturbing. Uh, I know. That's fun. So we got him, everybody. Case closed. Case closed. We China's ch- tracking his IP address because it's TikTok. He couldn't help it, you know. We made him. We we we, we were talking about him. him, and he he couldn't help. Like he couldn't resist the the popularity. That's how it goes with psychopaths. You know? Yeah, just got to call him out on TikTok until they show their show their face. Exactly. So, and people are in their last moments. They show you who they really are. Heath Ledger. You want to know which of your friends were cowards? Oh, that was okay. That was one of the dirtiest lines. That was yeah. in like movie history. That was insanity. I was like, oh man, what a line. What a line. I think Heath Ledger mm. Heath Ledger's acting as the Joker is what made that movie as good as it was. Oh, 100%. It's it's my favorite. I, I wasn't even really into Batman. Like I I I didn't grow up like a Batman mm-hmm. guy, kid, whatever. But that movie, I was like, oh, the Batman. The Batman's not about the Batman. Right. It's about the Joker. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, like, the Joker kind of wins. He kind of does. Yeah. Like, most of the time in superhero movies, the superhero kind of gets his poop knocked out of him for the first, like, two-thirds. And then the last third, he finds a way to effectively beat the villain and overcome his failures. But, like, in The Dark Knight, the Batman loses. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Har- Harvey Dent's gone. Rachel's gone. Like, Gotham is in peril need of somebody that isn't a mass vigilante to help them. And they just don't have that. I feel like maybe that's the... Maybe that's the message. Is that we're all human, even if we're wearing a bat suit. Wow. You know? Y- you can't... Just put on a bat suit and expect your friends not to die. Wow. Yeah. We could all learn from that. We could we could all learn from <laughs> that. <laughs> no, but really though, maybe that was I don't know. I don't I I feel like that was kind of the, the feel of it was like so many superhero movies are. It's just like, oh, they're just everybody wins, right. lives, and happy blah, blah, fun blah. times. But yeah. it's like, no, he like he lose the, the the whole idea of Batman isn't really like superhero. He he isn't a superhero. He doesn't have superpowers he's right. he's rich and he wants to make a difference yeah he's trying to make a difference he's just trying he's one guy trying to make a difference and it just shows that like yeah i mean it takes more than that like even if you have all the money even if you have the training you know you could go out and be the vigilante but like it takes more than it just takes more than that it takes more people it takes more ideas it takes yeah more effort like you can't just kick the crap out of everybody and then think that all your friends are going to be fine. Right. And I think that's why The Dark Knight Rises is such a good sequel to The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Because Bane even tells Batman, like, victory has made you weak and peace mm. has made you, like, lose your edge or something like that. Dang. And I, I also love Bane as a villain in that movie just because he's so... He kind of exposes the gray area that Batman and Commissioner Gordon created so that they could help protect Gotham from the tragedy that was Harvey Dent. And Bane was like, let me just air this out real quick. Yeah. So I was really sad that we didn't get to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Robin. Because that was like the ending. That was the ending. But I'm right here. I know. So can you like put on a tight suit and... 
I bet you would like that, wouldn't you? So in the in the <laughs> last movie that Christopher <laughs> Nolan made, the last Batman movie that he made, uh, yeah, right, Christopher Nolan, he, yeah, he made this, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I'm still thinking about Oppenheimer. Um, yeah, like the movie ends and uh, Alfred realizes that he's still alive because mm-hmm. he goes to that restaurant or whatever. And when he sees him, he like puts his money away because he knows that he's covered. Yeah, he's, he's like, oh, I know yep. I'm taken care of. And then we get that final shot. Of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, I forgot his name, um, uh, but we see him like finding the bat lair or whatever, mm-hmm. and it like activates for him. He stands on that platform and he rises up, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, he's gonna be, you know, either he was gonna be the new Batman. Robin, or he was gonna be, yeah." What was in the animated series? What did they? Was it? It was Batman, and then there was like the skinny kid who was also kind of dressed as Batman, and Batman got older. What was that about? Do you remember that? I don't it was like remember. Like Batwing that. or whatever. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. They could have. T- I was just so ready for that, and then it just ended. Yeah. And then they started doing all the gritty stuff, which I it just lost my interest really fast. Like Batman v Superman, like mm. intense movie, but it just lost my interest. I was like, I didn't get it. Yeah. And then the the Batman movie with what's his vampire face? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. Wait, yeah. we just watched it. Yeah. We, we j- oh, I just watched it recently. The Batman. The Batman. Exactly. Uh, which was, it was not bad. It wasn't bad, but also, I just, eh, you get here, the, you get edgy Batman. Here was my critique. Here we go. Here was my critique of The Batman with Robert Pattinson. Got it. <laughs> uh, Commissioner Gordon. Pushover. <laughs> Embarrassing. Yes, okay, yeah, Commissioner Gordon. So a lot of the dialogue in The Batman is useless dialogue. Absolutely. It's so useless dialogue. The movie itself looks really cool. I like how it plays out. The dialogue, though, takes away. Because they're constantly trying to let you in on the plot through the dialogue. And you're like, nobody talks like that. No. And then on top of that, Commissioner Gordon is slowly becoming Batman right. throughout the movie. It's like there was one scene where they're talking to each other. It's ridiculous. And Batman is like, <laughs> "Here we go, here we go." Batman's Strap like, in. "I'm gonna need to follow her." And Commissioner Gordon's like, "And then what are you gonna do?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna have to see what she does next. Oh yeah, Batman. <laughs> And then what's your plan? And I'm like, which one of you is Batman? Why what's are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. Part of the charm of Commissioner Gordon is he uses Batman to his own benefit. And so he agrees with Batman when it's mutually beneficial for Commissioner Gordon in the Ooh. Dark Knight. Yeah. And so he disagrees with Batman's choices because he's his own person. Which goes into perspective that we'll talk about later. Sure. Like that scene where the Joker tells Batman where Harvey is, but in actual wait no, where Rachel is, but he actually told him where Harvey yeah, was. Flipped. Spoiler alert. He swapped him. He swapped him. Little flippity floppity. And there's a scene where Commissioner Gordon is like, You have to go over Dent. You have to like go to Dent. I have to save Dent. Like it's it's imperative that I save Dent. Dent, like out of his own moral character flaws, off of having a crew that's in with the the mafia and the mob and the organized crime unit in 
in Gotham. Yeah. And there's like this personal responsibility bit where he is the police commissioner and he feels the weight of all these deaths of judges and, and really high officials in in the Dark Knight. But in the Batman, he's just like, hey, Batman, what do you want to do? You know. Okay, uh, let's do that. The scene, uh, uh, the scene where he's like locked in the thing with him and all the cops, like all the cops are watching. And they're just Ridiculous. like whispering to each other. Like he's trying to make it look like he's laying into him, but he's like, I have a key. You can run out of the back. And then it's he ridiculous. punches him in the face, like full force, bust. I was just like, oh my God. A misuse like, of I, characters. I didn't dislike the movie. No. I just thought that there were some things that were, it's, some things seemed rushed. It felt like they put so much time into the look of it. Yeah. And then they rushed the story, like the dialogue. Like the chase scene in the car where things blow up and then the sick, sick shot. Oh, absolutely. Sick cinematography. It's what you would movie. expect from a, from a Batman Right, movie. absolutely. And it was just, everything else just kind of lacked. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the generation where I didn't read, like, comics, or I didn't read. So when people talk about superheroes being accurate to the comics, I have no idea what they're talking about, and I don't really care. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, for example, Spider-Man. Sure. And they're saying Tom Holland is a comic-accurate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And when I first saw Tom Holland on screen as Spider-Man in Civil War, I was like, who is this kid? Oh, wow. I hate him so much. He's gross. Yeah. Because I grew up on Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire. And that was my jam. Which So I also grew up with Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I also did not read the comics. So... I played, like, the PlayStation 2 Spider-Man game. Mm. That was as far as I got into the mm. lore. And um, I didn't realize... Like, I loved Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I, like, wept tears of joy when he showed up. So good. When they brought him back. I was just losing it. But as an adult, I realize now, like, how silly some of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man stuff was. Like, as a child, yeah. I didn't. As an adult, I realized. Yeah. I also, like, I, I know what you're saying. It's only now as an adult that I understand, like, the comic accurate thing. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, he's supposed to be a high schooler. Right. When I look back and I'm like, Tobey Maguire and What's-Her-Face, like, all the kids that were playing, like, the high school yeah, kids. Yeah, they're, like, 20-something. They're all, in, yeah, they're, like, in college. Yeah. I'm like... He, college spider-man but they're trying to tell us that he's in high school i'm like right. i don't think so that, that's not how that works but i still i loved the toby mcguire spider-mans i'm coming to more of an appreciation of andrew garfield spider-man oh for sure as time goes on i think kind of getting older you realize that just because andrew garfield was physically attractive Mm-hmm. And he had a nice face. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that he still couldn't have been a good Peter Parker. Yeah. And like an awkward... Like the scenes in um, The Amazing Spider-Man when he's talking to Gwen, mm-hmm. he's legit awkward. Oh, for sure. And it's relatable in that aspect of being awkward. I only saw... There were two, right? Yes. With him? There were two, yeah. I only saw the second one. With uh, Electro, right? Yeah, Electro. And I thought that was phenomenal. It was really good. My, I like laughed. I, I mean, it, it the laughed. effects were brilliant. You like, cried. The story was brilliant. 
um, when Electro becomes Electro and now he's like out in the street for the first time and he's starting to fight and he goes, it's my birthday. <laughs> Lost it. Lost it. Loved that. Um, I, I never thought that we would see his Spider-Man again. Yeah. Because after Andrew Garfield was done with the second one, I saw an interview with him where he was talking about, like, he was like, I'll never do this again. Right. Like, absolutely not. Like, it, like, broke him. And he, like, wanted to take a break from acting. Like, it, like, really messed with him. And he was, like, not happy. And I've been seeing that a lot, where, like, people are really unhappy with the situations that they're in in movies. And mm -hmm. then they end up coming back years later. And I'm like, right. is it just, like, they're offering them crank tons of money? I saw something about John Boyega, like, burying the hatchet with, what's her name? Uh, after the whole Star Wars debacle, you know John Boyega. Is he the one that played Finn? Yeah, he was the stormtrooper. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What a wasted character. I know. So that's the thing, right? There was a lot of like, there was a lot of upsetness around that because mm -hmm. he, they there could have been so much more development there. There could have been so much more growth, and then they just dropped it off. Just think about this. Yeah, stormtrooper converts to the rebellion can suddenly kind of use a lightsaber. Is he Force-sensitive? Is he not Force-sensitive? The Force Awakens kind of, like, they give you those little breadcrumbs, mm -hmm. and then The Last Jedi is like, burn it all. Yeah, we just get nothing. Last Jedi was one of the worst movies I've seen in my life. The Last Jedi's pretty bad. Yeah. When you go back and watch the fight scene choreographies in slow motion, and it's, the tr it's there's so much trash. There's so many stunt guys waving at nothing. Some of them aren't holding weapons sometimes. Like, it's bad. It's so bad. Have you seen any of those? I think so. In this scene where they're in, um, Kylo Ren and Rey are fighting those two guys. and Or when they're in, uh, what's his name's, like, Red Room? Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. His, like, War Room or whatever, yeah. and they're fighting the guard. Yeah. And, like, half of those guys aren't making contact with anything. Embarrassing. Happening. Yeah, this is bad. But... So anyway, I, I saw an article that John Boyega, I guess, buried the hatchet with Kathleen Kennedy before like being in talks about doing other stuff. Mm. And I was like, wait, what? So I don't know. The film world is complicated, and I don't know if there's just a lot of money being thrown around or if people are like, I don't know if there's like a real apologies. There's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a mixture of blending kind of Hollywood culture into the entertainment industry, I think. Because I think Hollywood culture is very detached from an American's everyday life. Mm -hmm. And so when we see these Hollywood films come out with all of these agendas, it's like, this isn't what I want in my movies. Don't you guys know? that's the? And we talked about that with George Lucas films right. of like in a galaxy far, far away. Right. Of I want my films to take me out of the reality. I don't want my head being bashed over with today's agenda. And so I think... I think once we kind of get back to it, it's culture is kind of like a pendulum, and whenever you For swing, sure. right now we're in a kind of more intense swing, one way. But once we kind of get back to the middle, I think we're getting there. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can feel it coming back. Right. Like you can feel like some sense of normalcy, like After 2020, COVID. 2021, and then like halfway through 2022 was like it had it had reached its peak in the other direction. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like there's so much insanity. I don't even know if we can survive. Like, I don't even know if our country can, like, yeah. 
stay a country. Like it felt like utter collapse was around the corner because there was so much insanity being pumped this out. This is good coffee. Buddy. Is that good coffee? It is. Thanks. It's not super bitter, and I appreciate that. You know what I did? Um, is I'm what I've started doing when I brew drip coffee. I only do this with the drip. I don't do this with the Chemex. But when I brew drip coffee like this, I do one more cup of water than scoops of coffee. I see. Yeah, just I'm, one more. I'm not a big coffee person, so I don't know what that does. Apparently, it makes it a little bit less bitter. Like half of that cup evaporates, and then so it's a half cup, like weaker. Oh. I don't know. So apparently, that's how you like it. I think it's great too. Yeah. Um, but anyways, what were we saying? Oh yeah, but it feels like we're coming to somewhat of a sense of normalcy. Right. Where it just feels like people are calling out more often, like what's just dumb. Right. And they're not afraid of like just being shut down for saying that's dumb. Like yeah. let's just be real. Like let's just be normal people. And I think we're gonna see another spike of some sort of shift in the next election next year, mm. of something going absolutely haywire and yeah. blah, blah blah. That's that's it's a toss up. It really is a to- like what's yeah. gonna happen is like such a toss because it is we're coming back to somewhat of a sense of normalcy. Yeah, and then it either could like. It could go really, really... I think no matter what, actually. I yeah. think no matter what, it's going to be insane. Yeah. Because if Biden is elected again, that's one... Like, that's one insane reaction. Right. And then if he's not... Again. That's another just insane... So yeah, no either way. no matter what, stock up on that toilet paper again. Yeah. Because we don't... <laughs> I don't want that to happen ever again. <laughs> But yeah, even Chimney. even political campaigns are starting. Like I, I remember seeing this ad um, f- from Trump where he was talking about the Florida governor and how he shouldn't run for office hmm. and just that whole. And it's like, whoa, we're like a year and a half away from yeah. these things and it's already starting. But it's uh, the political atmosphere of America has always just been king of the hill. And, yeah, and I guess I just didn't like sometimes I don't know if it's age. Yeah. I think some of it is age. Like sometimes I don't know if it's just that I didn't know, or is it crazier? Like I know there's always been political tension. I know, right? You know, like I remember. I remember when Obama was being elected. Like I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. And I was in third grade. I was. Uh, I think I was in. I was a freshman in high school. I was about to go into my freshman year of high school. Wow. And. That I remember the insanity there. Like there was so much tension. There were so many emotions, and like I didn't have any opinions. I just went on the back of the opinions of my parents. Like so, I just reacted according right. to my parents' reaction. Right. Um, and so yeah, some of it is like I don't know if as I get older, I just know what's going on a little bit more, or if it it, it has felt like. I just remember growing up. It felt like at least people in like like political people would like talk a certain way. There was some sort of like yeah, we're gonna be even headed. And nowadays, it just feels like anybody could go off the handle at any second. Right, and I think with the rise of social media, we also oh, see yeah. a lack of. And I remember talking to you about this while playing Valheim one day, mm. um, like a couple months ago. I was in a. I was yeah. We were playing. We were building our first house. Dang. In in that world. And you were like, part of the problem with politics nowadays is the conversations that you would have in the context of relationship is now had on the context of social media. That's right. That's right. So you have these very big topics of, you know, really intense topics like relationships, marriage, 
abortion, all of these things that are mm-hmm. usually done and should be done in the context of a relationship where no matter what you say, I still value our relationship so much. Right. And I value my opinion and I value your opinion because we're in relationship. Right. But in today's world, it's it's I don't value you at all because of your opinion. I do remember that conversation. It was, I remember saying, uh, the f- the first thing that you learn about somebody is their strongest opinion. Right. Where it is. It's like it used to be, you would see like, oh, we want a vacation. Like social media was just like connecting with people over like the fun stuff that they were doing. Yeah. And maybe they were a troll, like whatever. But it's like relationship is like when you meet somebody face to face, you put on like first impressions matter. Yeah. And so it's like I'm going to put on like my best and I'm going to be, you know, just a little bit more careful with what I say and we're going to figure each other out and kind of like feel each other out. And then once we've developed a relationship, it's like, well, I already value you. So if we talk about hard things, yeah, the relationship already matters. But now it's just like the first thing that you hear from people is either their worst or their strongest opinion. Yeah. And then there's no opportunity for relationship unless you agree. And I, you know, that just sucks. And even, I mean, even debate. I miss, like... I, I feel like in the world of debate, there used to be a mindset that was like, I'm going to go listen to somebody who I disagree with mm-hmm. because I want to like, I want to hear a different perspective. Right. They're not necessarily going to sway me, yeah. but maybe I'll learn something. Maybe I'll learn how to reinforce my argument, whatever. Yeah. But nowadays it's like, if you disagree with somebody, you can just pick it or shout them down and not even allow them to speak. And it's like, well, now it's like, well, now it's a hate crime if somebody disagrees with you. Yeah. It's like, whatever happened to like intellectual, can we talk? Right. Even if I disagree with you, I want to hear your side because maybe I'll learn something. Right. I miss that. I, I wish that was more prevalent. And that's why I think podcasts like the Joe Rogan podcast have done so well. Oh, for sure. Is because Joe Rogan has a good head on his shoulders and is able to analyze things from both sides. Oh, yeah. I've heard, yeah. I mean, the people that he's had on every walk of life and every i've heard them like 100 percent agree and then 100 percent disagree right and it's like sometimes it's hard like you're listening and you're like they're not gonna see eye to eye but they keep talking because it's like i don't have to quit on this just because i don't agree with you right yeah so and we're I, just in the right sphere man and then podcasting is the way to go podcasting is the way to go <laughs> this is the way but I think that segues nicely into perspective. Yeah, t- talk, talk to me about what you're thinking about perspective. So this week and, and this weekend, during my shower times, is my reflection time. <laughs> shower time. My shower time <laughs> is reflection time. Um, and I'm re-watching an anime that I watched. And it's about, it's about a tutor. And I relate to it quite a lot. And it, it just brought up a lot of memories of undergrad when I was doing biochem at UNM. Yeah. And I was I was helping my classmates with a lot of the, like, we were in the same class, and when they didn't understand something after class, we would have, like, once a week hangout at the library or almost a couple times a week where we would go over everything in class. Yeah. And, and, and this show just kind of brought up those memories, and, like, I, I texted those people, hey, like, Miss those times with you guys, and and just just the opportunity after after some years of, I mean, it's been I was just thinking it's been five years since I've graduated high school, and it just seems it just seems like ages ago. Yeah, um, I'm sure you feel 
<laughs> it's been even well, longer. My, no, I mean, mine was just different because I got expelled. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so it was over a little bit sooner than it should have been. But, you know, from where you are now, looking back, do you see a shift in perspective in your own life? Or could you kind of go into how you've grown and how your perspective has grown as a person from, fr I guess, from high school? Yeah. Oh, you're asking me? Yeah. Okay. I thought this is what you, I, yeah, I have an answer to that. Um, I, yes. I've had some of the biggest, I've had shifts in my, in my thinking. I've had shifts like in my, in my immediate thinking. And then I feel like I've had shifts in like how my brain even like works. Okay. And, um, in high school I was, I was, um, I was a big striver. I was a big victim because I'd grown up as a victim. So like my perspective was like in any situation was automatically like me against like me versus right. X, Y, Z, whether it was the establishment or people or like I always saw everyone as either like an adversary or like an ally. Got it. And I think that that's like a, just a terrible way to live in general. Like people don't fall into just those two categories. Like right. I, I had really big like main character issues. Like I'm, I'm the main character here. Yeah. So everyone's either like on my side or against me mm -hmm. and uh, anything that happened to me was not my fault. And I took no responsibility for it. Um, and I was hugely codependent. And so like all of those things were just like in high school, I was just a mess, mm -hmm. absolute mess. And then, um, and I stayed that way for like a while. Like even, you know, I, w I was, like I said, I got expelled from high school for some crazy stuff. Right. Um, and, and then I like started going to church. And the reason I started going to church was still codependency. It was still like, oh, let me go find some other people to like leech off of to like feel like I'm fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Let me go hang out with people. And then, you know, I like developed this relationship with God, but I'd never really dealt with any of my issues. It was just kind of like, I have this new relationship with God and that's kind of a band-aid over everything. Right. And so um, I felt like I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm good now. I'm headed in a good direction. But all of that's per like, I didn't have a perspective shift at all. Yeah. So th those things still dictated the way I saw the world. I was still a victim. I'm still like looking for allies or, or enemies. And so it wasn't even until like, what, two years into marriage. I was 24, maybe a year and a half into marriage. I was 24 years old. And then I was like challenged in my thinking to like, take responsibility for relationships, take responsibility for things that I felt like were not okay, you know? Right. So I would say the, in, without talking th through the whole timeline, the biggest difference in my thinking now really happened in the past year. But from now, now from high school, you know, now I'm, I'm not a victim to anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm responsible for anything that I can be responsible for. Mm -hmm. um, if I think somebody has a problem with me, that's not a danger to me. Like, I used to think, like, if somebody, if I thought somebody had a problem with me, they were unapproachable. Like, that's scary. There's going to be, like, I'm at risk. And it's like, no, if I think somebody has a problem with me, like, 
Let's just get. Let's just figure it out. Let's fix it. What is it? Right. What did I do wrong? What can I do to fix it? Just tell me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like my my main motivation in life these days is to take responsibility for as many things as I can. I was talking to Ty about this after the podcast last week. Mm. Um, he's after you went on that date. He stayed behind and we talked about that. And I told him I was like. Because he's 19. And I was like, yo, your biggest motivation should be like, how many things can I reasonably take responsibility for in my life? Right. And it'll just get you so far. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing. I just, yeah, I take, I take responsibility. I don't, I don't, I don't uh, approach life manically. There's no ups and downs in my life. Like I think even like some healthy people will say that. And I think it's just an unhealthy thing to say. Well, there's ups and downs in life. There really, there isn't. If you're listening to this, the most helpful thing I can tell you is there are no ups and downs in life. Good things happen and bad things happen. Mm. They don't have to be ups and downs. Right. Good is not up and bad is not down. You can just be on one level. Mm-hmm. And when a, good things ha- when a good thing happens, or sorry, when a bad thing happens, you ask yourself, what am I going to do about it? And when a good thing happens, you ask yourself, what am I going to do about it? Right. That's it. No matter what happens to me, well, what am I going to do with it? Period. There are no ups and downs. You don't have to go up or down. You can just go forward. Mm-hmm. So that's my biggest perspective. I love that shift. Yeah. What about you? What's your big perspective shift? Yeah, I would say my biggest perspective shift from uh, from high school is I'm I'm a person that likes to see things as black and white, mm-hmm. and there's one clear answer. Um. And if if anything isn't black and white, I I used to have a hard time distinguishing it. Okay. So, uh, for example, my relationship with my dad. For a while, I was a victim and thought that, you know, he was the bad guy. Right. I made him out to be the bad guy. I made my mom out to be the rescuer. And I was just a victim and I could do nothing about it. Um, but over the years, I've kind of really thought about it and delve deep into it to say, you know, I, I understand that not everything he did was right and not everything he did was wrong. Was there still pain in that? Was there still, um, a situation that wasn't the best for us? Absolutely. But to say that he was completely wrong and everything that he did takes away from my responsibility and my power. Yeah. And so I have to come to terms with, this idea of perspective and try to examine where he was coming from. And, and that's a difficult, it's not an easy thing to do because you realize where you messed up. And the difficulty in that is kind of noticing your own shortcomings, but it also gives you an opportunity to learn from it and to not repeat those mistakes. Right. I think that's the nice thing about perspective is it just seems like seems like after a few years you get a bird's eye view. Yeah. And you're able to distance yourself away from a situation that maybe a year ago you were stuck in the middle of and you didn't know how to find a way out. How how do you I'm going <clears> to <throat> I'm going to hit this real quick. But I have a question on that specifically. Mhm. How do you distance yourself? Like, what can you actively do to 
how do you become an active player in distancing yourself from a situation emotionally so that you can see it clearer? Like, what was kind of your process? Because you did. You, you transformed your relationship with your dad. Yeah. You know? And I think we've both had... We've bo- I mean, I transformed my relationship with my dad. It, you know, it was right. si- different, similar, but different. So just like, what, what steps can you take to separate yourself or to distance yourself and see something more clearly? That's a really good question. I think you find your trench buddies in the middle of it mm-hmm. while it's going on, and you find people who are willing to sit with you and suffer with you. Sure. And say, no matter what happens and no matter what you go through no matter what your actions are or um i mean you know i was i was having really intense highs and lows yeah like really super intense where i mean there were moments where i had no vitality i was blank i didn't react to anything i didn't really laugh at anything and and those were super difficult for me because i i like to have vitality i i like to have that life and that expression and the, and that kind of light and the sparkle you see in people's eyes. So first off is, is get consistent trench buddies. People, it's really, e- I've said this before, but it's really easy to find people that say, hey, I'm with you no matter what. Mm-hmm. But the real trench buddies are the people who intentionally put themselves in your space while you're going through it. Because sometimes you just don't have the energy to reach out. Yeah. And if you have someone who's consistently putting themselves in your space... That makes a world of difference. For sure. Um, So number one, find a a trench buddy. Number two, um, the way I did it is have someone that challenges your perspective. So for me, I had a counselor, therapist, her name's Cookie. um, And she consistently, every week, challenged what I was thinking, what I was feeling. Um, I think part of the major reason these past three years have been such a roller coaster for me is while I was doing my biochem program at UNM, I was at the top of my class. Mm -hmm. And I took a lot of pride in being at the top of my class and doing well in a lot of these difficult classes. And when I dropped out and switched majors, I felt like I'd lost that kind of competitive edge or top of the class gunner identity that I put in school. Mm. I think part of part of challenging your perspective is realizing that you aren't what you do. Absolutely. And for probably until um, I stepped down from ministry, I still had that idea, that core thought of I am what I do, and my value is based on what I do. Absolutely. I hundred. That's a big one. Yeah. That <laughs> like leaving ministry. And then having your identity like vanish for a second because right. you're like, my value was a hundred percent connected to like this service. So now what even am I? Yeah. Yeah. And so finding someone that challenges your perspective allows you to detach from what you've been holding so tightly on. And you realize from this other person's perspective of like you holding so tightly is actually poison to you. Yeah. And they're like, hey, your hand's getting infected and your arm's getting infected and it's only going to get worse unless you let go. And you're like, crap, I don't know that I that I can let go. I don't know that I know how. This is all that I've done. This is 
this is this is who I am. I can't mm-hmm. be any different. How am I supposed to move forward? And and they challenge you to take accountability for yourself and say kind of the question, what are you going to do about it? And yeah. kind of have someone to encourage you and challenge you to put power back in your hands and realize that you can take power. Um, and then I think the next thing would be to take accountability. Realize yeah, oh, definitely. that your happiness can't be based on circumstances your happiness has to come from you have to build a foundation for your life that is stable enough to withstand the the storms of life oh definitely because storms are coming and bad things are going to happen it's your choice on whether or not you want to be swept away from it yeah now uh, the the biggest part of just on on that specifically the biggest part of my overcoming depression and anxiety in the past like year and a half mm-hmm. from the point where it got like as bad as it was going to get um where like you know my wife is 6 months pregnant and I have a gun in my head mm-hmm. to now the one of the biggest things that I programmed in was my joy comes from the things that I train my brain to receive joy from. And like a lot of it is me, like knowing that I've taken responsibility for the things I'm responsible for. Right. That's what brings me satisfaction is, is just, I'm in total control of that. Mm-hmm. As soon as I feel depressed, as soon as I feel down, I, I ask myself, what have I not taken responsibility for? Right. What am I letting slide right now that I could literally get up right now and go do? Yeah. And it, it could be as simple as like, you know, I haven't taken care of my health this week. Like, I know I haven't eaten well, mm-hmm. drank water enough, whatever. Right. And, you know, that's that's gotten easier, like being in the gym. You know, it's like it's it's built into my schedule. I'm taking responsibility for that every day. I can't complain about it because I'm responsible for it. Right. And I'm not depressed about it either because I'm responsible for it. Yeah. I'm doing something about it. Exactly. I've lost 10 pounds, by the way. I'm down, I'm down to 191. Nice. So, heck, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just you keep going. No, but no, I was just no, like, that's, that's one that's of the good biggest stuff. just training myself. Stuff. Like if I feel down, I know there's something that I could go take responsibility for that would bring me relief right now. Yeah. And, and part of the, even the, like the serious dump that I was into, um, when I stepped down from ministry, one of the main things that kind of brought me out of that was the gym. Yeah. And there was, I realized that it's not an, it's not optional for me to not go to the gym. Like I have to go. To you the, have to do it. Like I ha- there is no world where I don't go to the gym. There's something that I'm able to invest my energy into something that gets me better. Mm-hmm. And I can consistently do that five, six days a week. And I can get stronger physically and use some of my whatever's happened the week, my emotional whatever, baggage, blah, 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 I can invest that to lift heavy weights. And that brings me a lot of, like, satisfaction. Yeah. I I, I think one of my big personality traits now is the gym. <laughs> yeah. You, you're literally, you are just a bowl of creatine and anime. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like your whole... <laughs> yes. Um, Every time I see you, it's either gains or it's. And I'm like, all right. 
Yes. Yeah, good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then tell me what I said if you were listening. Google Translate. <laughs> and then after taking responsibility, I think you have to realize your bandwidth, mm-hmm. and you have to realize how big your plate is. And so how you do that is is you have different responsibilities that you take on. So maybe work, job, school, blah, blah, blah. And you see how much, through, you know, trial and error, you don't get it right every time, of how many things can I fit on my plate comfortably where it doesn't burn me out. Totally. And how many, what's too much? How many days off from work do I need? How many days in a row can I work? What times can I work? How do I adjust my sleep schedule, my eating? How do I how do I keep my life in order while still being responsible for me? Mm-hmm. And then once once you have that, which that's difficult in itself, and it, it's a process, and you you learn and you change and you adjust accordingly. And then throughout these kind of last few steps, I feel like feedback from trusted friends or people that are in your inner circle is so vital. Mm-hmm. Um, and just those check-ins like totally. with, with your friends where you're saying, hey, um, when things are not going super well, hey, I'm struggling with this. Yeah, This is what I have on my plate right now and it's taking up a big part of it. Um, or it's your friends checking up on you and you being really open and honest about what's going on in your life. Totally. And And... I would say it's easier to tell your friends about what's happened in the past than it is what you're going through currently. It's a lot easier to hide what's going on in your life currently. Whereas if it's already happened... Oh, yeah. It's way easier to be like, look what I overcame. Right. Not, look what I'm not overcoming right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely... Uh, my wife used to, she would tell me a lot like that. That's how I would share stuff in our marriage is like I would suffer silently with something for like two weeks. And then at the end of that, I'd be like, yeah, so for the past two weeks, like this is what was going on. And now I'm over it. And this was the big revelation that came out of that. And she's like, are you kidding me? Right. And so I've stopped doing that. You know, now I'm just like, I'm not having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't fun. I'm not. <laughs> I want to get off. <laughs> <laughs> Beep, boop, beep, boop, and so that's made a big difference, you know, just, yeah, I think communicating with people in like, I, and, and that, that was another thing too. Like, again, stepping away from uh, not even just ministry, stepping away from something that was so heavily tied to my identity, right. Made me, f- gave me room to be honest about where I was because I didn't feel like there were any unrealistic expectations on me. I don't right. want anybody to expect anything from me nowadays, except for what I'm responsible for. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, you know, I, I, I think the, ex- the expectations on me is that I would like be a good husband, be a good dad, work hard at my job. Right. Be a good friend. You know what I mean? Like the expectations are normal. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, I feel like I can just be re I can be honest with everybody as long as I'm, I'm not trying to meet some like, I don't know. I would have too many people ask me questions in ministry that made me feel like I couldn't share anything. Like you'd like share a good message and then people come up and they're like, wow, where did you get that from? You're quiet. My favorite one was like, your quiet time must be incredible. 
you must like just disappear with God. That's and and you're just like uh, that's a good joke, man. No, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, and and I started trying. Like at first, you know, you're just like, well, brother, you know, I appreciate that. Yep, I'm just. And then I started just trying to have to like. I remember having one conversation in particular with a guy mm-hmm. who was like, bro, like. What do you do? You need to tell me what your secret is. Like, what is it that you're doing that this, like, crazy revelation is coming from you? And I was literally just had to be like, you know, man, I'm not doing anything. Like, I'm not doing anything special. Mm -hmm. I just, it's just how my mind works. Like, when I read the Bible or when I pray or whatever, like, this is just, it's just how my brain works. I see things a certain way and I'm able to articulate them well. Yeah. You want to be, you want, I don't know. It's not like I, you know, burn the right incense and I, yeah. no, just learn how to be a communicator. Like just right. learn how to communicate ideas effectively and then have good things to communicate. That's the secret. That's the big secret. Have something valuable to communicate and then learn how to have the tools to communicate it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. <laughs> be helpful and then apply it. Know how That's to it. Know how to talk good. <laughs> Talk good, talk good, do good, do good. <laughs> talk good, do good. New that's slogan. The, that's the name of the podcast. That's a new sticker coming out. Yeah, yeah. In the merch, merch store, the merch shop, shop, store. <clears throat> but what's funny is <laughs> when I was doing ministry, and I had, I had the opportunity to preach like on a Sunday morning, in front of a church, and it was it was a be- super, you know, beautiful thing. And I go back and I watch my videos and I, I like cringe really hard at them. Because <laughs> I know a, that feeling. I'm a nervous wreck up there. <laughs> I'm like you start, you start you start doing the knife hands. I'm like moving nonstop. <laughs> my feet don't stop moving. But after I I get over that cringe, um, like the messages that I preached in the time that I was in ministry are exactly what, like, when I go back to them, it was exactly what I needed to hear in my low moments. Yeah. Um, My first message was living out of encounter and how Moses in the Old Testament, from the burning, before the burning bush, Moses has super extreme doubt and fear going towards the future Mm. with the Israelites and leading them out. But after that encounter, it sets up for Moses splitting the Red Sea. It sets up for Deuteronomy. It it sets up for Leviticus. It sets up pretty much the rest of his life from that encounter with the burning bush where the Lord gives Moses his personal name and says that I will be with you. And so it, it gave Moses a time to look back and say, no, I met with God here and this is what he said and I'm gonna live out of that. And so when I was in like a super tough spot. I was able to look back at my previous days of just all of the things that have happened in the past five years even and appreciate the growth and how the Lord was with me in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the second, the second message was connected in community mm-hmm. where the woman at the well was an outcast, but through relationship with Jesus, she was able to now be connected into a place with her community and identity that brought about her purpose. Right. And so for me, that was getting connected, really connected with an inner circle of friends where I wasn't trying to hide. 
Yeah. And I was able to come to terms with my own shortcomings. For sure. Um, and then next was the Lord is our peace. So from Judges and Gideon, um, when Gideon burns the offering and he calls the Lord Jehovah Shalom, um, and how peace isn't the absence of noise or trouble, but it's the presence of someone in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how the Lord being our peace is a safe house to where when the pressures of life come, in the middle of it, we still have that peace. And so I was able to learn that. Um, and then in Hebrews, it talks about, you know, the Lord pruning you to be more effective. And in this past season, I've had several things cut out of my life. Sure. Chopped off, really burned <laughs> in the fire. And those were painful things, but I was able to see... I was able to see a more healthy me afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so I think looking back at it now, I realize the importance of just relationship, not only with other people, but with the Lord is. And church is a church is a part of that. Sure. But the relationship with Jesus and the Lord is so much more than just showing up on Sunday. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, and and I've said this, I think that church can can be positive. Right. Like that, the, I I shouldn't even say church. Congregating can be positive or it can be negative. Mm -hmm. And I think that even in in the like the Christian sphere, learning to let that be seasonal because we don't we're not taught that you're not taught to have that be a seasonal thing. You're taught like you better be plugged in so hard, mm-hmm. you better be plugged into one place so hard. And it's like actually, there's like a time that it's healthy to be in the gathering, and then there's a time that it's not healthy to be in the gathering. Mm-hmm. Like you need to grow aside, like. You need to learn how to grow as an individual person and you need to learn how to grow among people. Yeah. But it is, it's like if you if you only live that life of like I need to be plugged in so hard, then like the affirmation or the lack of it that you're receiving from this community that you're giving a hundred percent of yourself to can like completely cripple all of the work that you're doing. Yeah. And I think I know for my myself, I hold myself to a really high standard. Mm-hmm. And my counselor, Cookie, showed me a picture of the guy who is drowning, but if he just put his foot down, he would touch the the floor. Yeah. She's like, this is what you're doing. Hmm. And sometimes the high standards we set for ourselves can actually be a weight that's pulling us down. Totally. And like today, after the podcast, I'm going to go home. I'm going to do homework. And finish, it's going to be my last assignment before I finish my associate's degree. Zang. Yeah. Wowza. And a couple months ago, I was like, this is pointless. I w- you know, why should I finish this? I was so close to getting my bachelor's before and I quit. And what's the point? And yeah. just throwing in the towel because I'm not where I feel like I should be at this point. Yeah, that's killer. But perspective is being able to look back and say, wait a second. 
Um, I've been thrown off a cliff, got back up, and did something, and now I'm finishing something that I started on my own. Yeah. I didn't start this as... I think some of it is the expectation of my parents of... And and not even like a negative expectation, but just, hey, get an education. Yeah. Do something. No, it's not fun. No, it takes forever, but like get an education. And this was the first... I mean, this is kind of the first fruits of me saying, hey, I want to take this into my own hands and do it for myself. I don't want to do it for anyone else. I want to get this stupid piece of paper from the government (laughs) that says I've sat in enough hours of classes and done enough homework and turned in enough discussion posts that I get something out of this. Yeah. And it, it feels pretty good. Yeah, you're like right there. Yeah. Like last night I was, yeah, in the shower and I was like, Hey, John, good job. <laughs> I had to give myself a little pat on the back. Well, hey, good job from an external source. Thank you. You're killing it. Thank you. I know you kept switching around for a minute there. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to land on. <laughs> but you did it. You landed on something. You're finishing it. Yes. I thought for sure you were going to get like a master's in culinary. I thought you were going to go all the way with the food. See, cul- but that's the problem. If you take something that you love and then you turn it into something that you don't, it's, it's, not, it's not good. Yeah, chefs are a different breed. Yeah, I couldn't work in like a professional food no. environment. I would no. hate food. I would start to hate it. I would just fast. I would just drink water. Food would be crippling to me. I watch the movies sometimes, and I'm like, if this is how it really is, right? I don't sign me up for that. Who is who, who's the actor that played um, the American Sniper? What's his name? Brad- uh, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Did you see his movie where he's the chef guy? Yes. And the intensity comes with and like i'm just not i'm not that guy i'm not that guy i'm not that guy i don't want to be that guy no i don't think i'm that genius either right i don't i don't i can't i can't put myself in those situations where it's like i'm the guy because then i'll get i'll just lose myself in that so yeah i don't want to be like putting my fingers in like this is terrible you know restart yeah start over start over your holidays is lumpy yeah that's not for me it's broken well, they, yeah. Oh, you said uh, just talking about like when you you're not where you feel like you should be, or like you started something before, and so to even do it feels like ugh. this podcast has been one of those things for me personally, and I don't know if I've told you that because I have I've been making content mm-hmm. for so long. Yeah, I. Like, and, and it, it feels stupid to say this because I have nothing to show for it. But I was like an OG YouTuber. Like, maybe two years after YouTube came out, maybe two. Wow. I was on YouTube trying to, like, make YouTube videos and, like, be that person. Right. And I've had, I've probably had, like, eight YouTube channels over the years. Wow. And one of them, that one that I was talking about, the accidental hanging, that one like was the first time back when Google would like send you an email. Yeah. I got like an email from Google that was like, would you like to be monetized? And I was like, oh my God, this is huge. And then I, because of the expectations as I moved forward in like life and ministry and trying to grow as a person and like just anxiety from having too many things going on, I deleted that account. 
Mm. All those like cool videos that I had made, skits and stuff, like deleted. I did like public. I was one of those public pranksters before public pranksters were big. Wow. Like before like the Ross Creations guys, like Ed Bassmaster, like all that. I was doing that stuff. Like going out in public, pulling pranks, doing the deleted all of those videos because I was like, oh, I need to move forward. I need to cut off baggage. Whereas like I could have been huge. And I constantly battle with that. I constantly struggle with like, oh, I could have been this. If I had kept going, I could have done that. And so it's like, it feels hard to start something new because I'm like, oh, I could have already been X, Y, Z. So even the fact that we started this podcast and we've stayed this consistent, this is episode 12? This is episode 12 or I think it's 12. I think the the tie tie was episode eleven, so this is episode twelve of the Docs and Crocs podcast, and just the fact that we've stayed consistent with it, and we've seen like a little bit of growth. You know, we have you know some followers on TikTok where right. people are starting to watch the stuff on YouTube, and like it's not fast, it's no. not like huge and and right away, but it's like the fact that it like means a lot to me, yeah. which like to some people might sound stupid. Like there's people who like don't have an Instagram, they don't have a TikTok, they don't have like there's people who like they don't. I literally know people who aren't on social media, mm-hmm. and like to them, for me to say that this is important to me, they're like, well, that's dumb. But it's like, I don't know, to create things consistently and not stop creating, right? No matter what, even though it's like, yeah, now I'm almost thirty. I started making YouTube videos when I was like thirteen, maybe. Whoa! And now I'm almost thirty. And so it's like, maybe finally I'm going to stick to it. You know, just the consistency feels good. You're like, no, we're actually doing something. Right. And it's okay that those other things didn't work out. Yeah. Because now I'm doing it. So it's like just trying to focus on now and say like, right. what I'm doing now matters, even if I didn't get to wherever with what I was doing before. So. Yeah. The same with acting. Yeah. I feel the way about acting sometimes. I was talking about, I was talking to my wife about that today. Like the film world is changing so much. And, like, there's so much more, like, AI and, like, CGI and, like, the, the way that they film things is different now. Now they don't even shoot stuff on green screens. Now, like, The Mandalorian. I don't know if you've seen this. The Mandalorian is shot a lot of times. Some of it is practical sets. Like, some of it they're on location. But a lot of it is they have these giant, like, 100-foot LED screens Whoa. wrapping around the set. And through, like, artificial intelligence, the camera and the screens are synced. The images are synced. Whoa. So when the camera is facing Pedro Pascal as Din Djarin, his background is, like, the environment. And when the camera moves, the environment on the screen moves to show motion. Wow. So it's, like, these, like, huge sets that he's standing on are just screens. That are so crisp. Wow. And it's like, so the film industry has changed. And so sometimes I feel like, man, if I had if I had pursued acting sooner, if I had stopped putting it off, I could have, right. you know, because I, I, I like practical stuff. I really like on location. I like the gritty. I like to feel it. And so it's like even watching the film industry go more into like digital to me is like kind of spooky sometimes. I'm like, yeah. ah, like, did I miss out? But like, even so, just being like, this is my passion I can't look back and go, well, if I had or if I hadn't. Right. I like what Gary V says. Shout out to Gary V. 
Uh, Gary V always says like you you can't live on what ifs because you don't freaking know what was going to happen. Yeah. He's like, well, what if I had what if I had moved to this state and done this? He's like, yeah. What if you got hit by a bus and you never even freaking got here, you loser? Like, <laughs> yeah, you could have. Yeah, maybe you could have. Like, I used to cry about Bitcoin. I was like, I could have invested in Bitcoin in 2011 and I could have been a trillionaire. And he's like, in his mind, he's like, yeah, maybe you could have. And then yeah, maybe you would have uh, gotten sick and died. So. Who cares? Like right. You just don't know. Just do what you're doing now. And so I have. I've like you know just devoted this year to spending more time pursuing film. Um, we have the western that's in the works. That's why if you were watching this video, that's why I look like a caveman. I have not cut my hair because my hair is just my hair is all over the place because I can't cut it yet because we have a pickup shoot day on the seventh. The shooting that we did was supposed to be finished, but we ran out of daylight, so we have to go back. That experience is the hardest filming experience I've ever had. Really? In my life. Yep. Kairos, the short film that we did, that the, that one, was tough. Like It was like 90 degrees. I was wearing all these layers. I'm like running, biking, driving, all that. It was tough. I was sore the next day. This one, hardest thing I've ever done like movie wise well i we i had to drive out like 45 minutes no big deal yep to go get on this horse that like belonged to this family the horse did not want me to ride him Mm. he was nervous so I'm, i'm getting on a nervous like thousand pound animal i don't know how heavy horses are heavy very heavy like very big, very spooky. He did not want to be ridden. So I get on this animal, and I'm riding around, and we're trying to get the shots that we're trying to get, and we ride past a certain point, and past that certain point, the horse is like, I am now no longer your friend. So we were bonding, and I was like learning, I was like figuring out like how he likes to be directed, and I was talking to him, and we were kind of bonding. But once he crossed a certain line, we were out in like the desert. Once we crossed this certain line, he knew where his house was, and he was like, I'm going home. So he took me all the way back to his house. I could not turn him around. Whoa. So we ride back to his house. Then we get in the car and we drive like an hour. It felt like an hour. No, it it was another 36 minutes. Excuse me. It was an hour and 20 to get home. It was an extra 36 minutes out to this location where we had to carry this like 50 pound chest and all of our equipment. Oh my gosh. For two miles. Oh no. Which you'd be like two miles. That's nothing. No, no, no. Two miles up and down and mm. up and down through sharp rocks, mm. over sand, like over a mountain into like a, a canyon, like into like this crevice in these rocks. Whoa. You get there, you're already sunburned. Yep. You're already just blasted with heat. I'm in boots that are not made for walking. Oh, no. And that's just what they did. They did not do in this case. <laughs> and... And then we're shooting like yeah in like sharp rock. We're like crossing over like salt flats oh and my cactus. Gosh. And we're out there and we're you know we're like firing these guns and we're like you know I supposed to get hit with a shovel. I like fall over. I hit my shoulder on like a sharp rock. Oh. Like oh it was crazy, bro. Oh. And then we run out of daylight and so we're like okay we need to start packing up and heading back. By the time we started walking, started walking. The sun is going down. Oh, no. So we hiked an hour in pitch black. We're in the middle of nowhere. No. Pitch black darkness. No. 
over and under and up and down and up and down. Oh like, my gosh. I, there were moments I literally was like, I don't, we might not make it back. This isn't, this is it. We might just have to camp out here in the middle of this like canyon oh in the middle of nowhere. There's no cell service. Right. We're near nothing and no one. Yep. And you can't see. And like our phones are dying, our flashlights are dying. And uh, we left the chest behind. Wow. We left the chest in a cave. So that we could go back and film another day. We were like, we'll, we'll come back for it. That's, that's some characterization. My dad told me a story of when he was in college. Um, and he went elk hunting. Mm-hmm. He shot an elk. And it was becoming nighttime. And he was like, I'm not leaving this elk here. And I don't want a bear to get this elk. So I'm going to sleep with the elk. So he spends the night with the elk he just shot. And then in the morning cleans it, fabricates it, and takes it home. Holy crap. Yeah. That's so Han Solo. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That, I'm like, Dad, that's the hardest thing I've I've like I'm gonna kill an animal and then I'm gonna sleep next to its carcass so yeah. that the wild doesn't steal it from yeah. me. Yeah. I'm like, Dad, you're him. You're that guy. You're that guy. Holy macaroni. Well. Well. Anyway, just pursuing things. Pursuing and going after things. it no matter what. So, so we're going back on the seventh. We're going back into that canyon and we're gonna shoot more. Maybe the chest will have some goodies in it. Well, people have stored stuff in that cave. There's like candles and stuff. It's like this little cave. Oh, well. So we're like, we'll just see what's in the chest. That's the next site of a horror movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then like the day after we're done filming, I'm cutting my hair. Like I'm just freaking cutting it. I need to get a haircut. I'm going to get one this week. Really? Here's, you look like you got a haircut. Your hair just always looks so like clean. I don't know. I, I guess I've never seen it get out of hand. Like yeah, your hair never looks like it's like I don't, getting away from you. Yeah, I don't like. It's getting to a point now where the sides are getting, like, when I have bed head, it's really bad. Mm. And so I just like to have a hair cut that like minimizes my bed head. Gotcha. Because I like naps a lot. I know I need a hair like the length that my hair is at now. When I walk into a store, they like send one of the security guards to follow me for a little oh, bit. Oh man. Yeah, because I look like a mess. And I can't explain to everybody. Like, sorry, it's for a film. I look like this because of a film. I'm famous. Yeah. <laughs> you want I'm, my autograph. I'm on my way to becoming famous. That was <laughs> hilarious at the at prom last night when you were like, don't wash your hand oh because I'm going to be famous in a year. Gosh. That's right. Oh, man. I wish we had more time to talk about that. The prom no. was funny. Yeah, we had a prom. Where we work, we had like a homeschool dance, like a homeschool dance prom and with 200 kids insanely between big. the ages of 17 and 19 it was crazy it brought back some funny memories it sure. definitely did all yeah. those bean poles oh my and those, gosh yeah you got like these six foot 90 pound guys with these girls who are like this is their this is their big moment you right. know they bought like the most expensive dress they had somebody professionally do their hair they rolled up in a g-wagon to hang out with this 90 pound guy yeah bean pole <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't have any sense of rhythm or dancing or and I can relate to that because that was I me. I mean, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing in high my, school. or My dancing was so bad that my black friends were laughing at me. That's, that's on rough. On the dance floor. That is rough. Yeah. Good yeah. times. Yeah, great times. Great times. I, I didn't get... I, I went to like one... I went to all the middle school dances and then I went to like one homecoming. I see. And then after I got expelled from high school, the girlfriend that I still had at, at the time wanted to go to her like homecoming. and But I couldn't take her because I wasn't allowed... On like any of the properties. On school grounds. I was <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> but I still like drove her there. I like got dressed up and like drove her there so she could hang out with her friends. No, big my... loser moment. <laughs> yeah, it was a big loser moment. On that L. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the prom was funny, and we're like, si- what he was talking about. We're signing all the kids' hands. We put our initials on their hands, so we know that they checked in. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, don't wash your hands. I'm gonna be I'm famous. Gonna be famous, and they're like, okay. And it's funny, I'm like, go sweat it off. It's funny, like the homeschoolers. Just talking to you, they didn't know how to like conversate. Yeah, so I was just pushing them through. Just yeah. go, you're good. You're good. You're good. What's the name under? Oh, your parents. Great. That's what's funny. your mommy's name? Okay, you're checked in. <laughs> okay, two tickets. <laughs> two tickets, buddy. On that note, for real though, uh, what's uh, what's this podcast under? Your mom's name? Okay, thanks for signing in. We love you so much. Docs and Crocs. <laughs> Docs and Crocs. Go check us out on YouTube, TikTok, and social. We will see you next week. Uh, we'll let you know if we're going to have a guest. we got to find a guest. We, do, we might have to. We might have to every other week. Every other week. Love you guys so much. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you later. Peace.